Hey, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. Just quickly before we rip into this episode, if you dig this podcast, please leave a five-star review in your app or wherever you listen to this podcast. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, subscribe and click the notification bells. There's heaps coming up, so you don't want to miss a thing. Leave a one-off tip or a donation if you dig. All links in the show notes or at thegiglifepodcast.com. Right, well, my guest today is Marcel Yamuni. Marcel is a guitarist, bass player, songwriter, producer, and audio engineer from Melbourne. He has a new album out called Essential Arteries, which he wrote and recorded and produced during the Melbourne lockdowns. And I've got to say, it's pretty bloody awesome, eh? He's world-class, man. Um, I've been a fan of Marcel's music for quite a while, and we've also been talking over social media for, for quite a while as well, so it was cool to actually sit down and hang out and have a chat. This is episode 131, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marcel Yamuni. I think we're rolling. Captain Vibe, <laughs> Mr. Fusion, Marcel Yamuni. How you going, man? Actually, it's Fusion Boy, according to uh, Phil Sobrano. Fusion Boy. He's, he told me that too, and I just fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Off to a great start. Well done. <laughs> no, yeah, fusion Boy. Yeah. Is it with a real stern kind of, you know, Fusion Boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. How, how, did, um, how did he come up with that name? Because <laughs> I'm Fusion Boy. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> that's probably it. Yeah. You'd have to ask him, but uh, I think we were just on the road together and I think we were having one of those um, after gig kind of low budget gig where we actually had to share a room. Mm. Um, not a bed, just a room. But um, <laughs> he was in the other room. He was in the other room. He was in the other bed even. And um, Phil, when he starts improvising his uh, comedic uh, – yeah. Uh, talents really shine so yeah so he was just making up a character and you know based around me fusion boy i think it might go my first album's kind of got a little bit of that vibe about it yeah 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 choppy bit sort of you know rock fusion i was always into that stuff kind of growing up i i loved it because it was playing people were playing right you know and um yeah, I've always been an oddball in that regards. You know, never never sort of sat with everybody else. Always kind of went off and did my own thing. Yeah, so, I don't think that's yeah. an oddball thing. I think that's that's the uh, mark of a of a <laughs> of a brilliant artist. I guess that's that's well, my we take found our tribe, didn't we? Like we're all mm. into it now. You know, like yep. everyone. Like, but yeah, when you so I sort of grew up in the northern suburbs of um, Melbourne. Mm. And, um, you know, it was, if it wasn't rock or, you know, pop or, you know, something kind of, you know, I won't say basic, but, you know, yeah, like mm. not as complex, you know, not mm. as hard to digest sometimes as uh, fusion can be, mm. you know, because, you know, cascade of notes and chords and rhythms yeah. and all that stuff. I, I was always just just drawn to it. I loved it. So my first album has a lot of that kind of feeling about it. but mind you the first album is 
I probably started writing it when I was 17 and finished when I was 34, you know, and so it's been t- 10 years. 2007 that came out, eh? Uh, was that right? Did I read that right? 2010. 2010. Oh, 2010. Okay. Yeah, 2010 yeah. I launched it um, and actually launched it with a band, the whole bit. Right. Like, whereas this new album I've got out, because um, it's it was done in lockdown. Yeah. So I pretty much did everything myself, mixing, mastering, you know, the whole bit. Mm. Um, I've got my fiance. Funnily enough, she's helping me with the um, the visual side of it. Um, she's she's really good. She's really clever. She's coming up with all these little ten second, thirty second little videos that go with the music mm. because um, you know, for me, it's an afterthought. Yeah, that's and that's probably why you know. It, it probably does belong with visuals. That's that's kind of what I'm learning about this new album is that, yeah, visuals kind of help with it too. It kind of helps tell the the story unless you can really just kind of sit down, put some headphones on and, you know. Yeah, well, that's into- that's exactly what I've done with it. And, oh, great. And um, <laughs> one of the things I've got written down here, I'm just because I, I, I've been listening to it on Apple Music and Apple, you know, when you're, uploading your stuff to whoever your, you know, provider is to send out to Spotify and all that sort of stuff. You have to, you have to label it, right? And you've got your album labeled as electronic. Yeah. Right. And then you listen, you listen to um, a song like Amber Lynn. Yeah, no, that's right. (laughs) And that's so far from electronic. So. (laughs) Well, there's a, there's an electronic bit in the middle. Oh, right. Okay. Not not to give away the story. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. They kind of, um. Halfway through it, you go into a bit of a, a trance rave kind of. Right. But, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, mm. so I I probably did like maybe three or four or five tracks that were that are kind of more in that electronic kind of vein. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's weird because they don't give you uh, – it's a pretty eclectic kind of – selection of songs hence yep. why the first album is called eclecticity it's the same sort of thing yep. um even though the first album was probably more in the one sort of category of yep. being progressive rock fusion whatever you want to call it yeah this one sort of it's the other side it's the other side of what i do it's it's kind of like my siblings i've got, i'm the youngest of um four siblings mm. and so my eldest brother's the guitar guru around Melbourne. Most people know him as a guitar repairer and all that stuff, but he's actually, he was the, literally the first music teacher I ever had. Like he was, he's a guitar player himself and he sings and, um, and a lot of people don't know that about him. So I'm heavily influenced by what he listened to, but my middle brother, David, he's, he's, he was into like Jean-Michel Jarre, Tangerine Dream, uh, Kraftwerk, Mm. um, and uh, Giorgio Moroder and, you know, the list goes on, all this sort of ambient sort of synth-driven mm. stuff. So we always had synths in our house. Like if we'd kept the synths that we um, owned, we'd probably, yeah, we'd be really rich because they've all, they're all like yeah. unobtainable now. That's like, um, yeah, like uh, what do they call them, uh, Prophet Fives yeah. and, uh, you know, like Moogs, Moog, Moog, whatever you say, potato, potato. So with the with the synths that you had, did you have the modular type synths where you had to get the lead and connect to the different part, different module? 
N- not it's those. Not, not that far. Those, no. Yep. no, no, they, these were keyboards. Yep. Um, and I, I'm not sure if we got cut off, but I was telling you about um, of the keyboard that my brother actually gave me when I was eight years old is an SH-101, um, which is an arpeggiator and it uses CV and gate technology, not MIDI, pre-MIDI, right? Right. So I was like eight years old. He gave me this. He goes, oh, yeah, I just used it for sequencing. Right. And, you know, now they're like fetching three, $4,000. Yeah, right. And I used it on one of my songs, funnily right. enough. Right. You know, just as a – it doesn't have any MIDI, so you got to kind of really manipulate it to kind of get it in time and then play what you got to do and then maybe shift a few things, Yeah. you know, uh, with the waveforms and all that. But, yeah, it was. it's this – Nothing quite sounds like that old stuff. It's really, yep. I mean, I'm I'm an advocate for valve amplifiers and you know <clears throat> guitars and whole you know. But oddly, with this album, I didn't mic one cabinet. Yeah, right. Yeah, I used like I've got a, a two notes torpedo, which is like a cabinet simulator. Yep. And load box, so I run my Marshall through that. And then, um, yeah, nerd shit. But you know, no, like no, it, I, I get it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but a lot of the a lot of the stuff, a lot of the guitar sounds, bass sounds, everything that you hear is all um, quotation fingers. Yeah, uh, synthetic. Yeah. you know. Yeah, but yeah. they're getting so good yeah. with this Ab- stuff. Now. Absolutely, the rhythm guitar sounds on the album are fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I I used to have a um, well, I probably still got it, but I haven't opened it for years. It was like a, it was like a Stratocaster like a funk, uh, it, it ran with native instruments. Oh yeah. I can't remember the name of it now, but. Um, guitar rig? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it wasn't gu- guitar rig. It was, um, oh shit, I wish I remember what it was called, but you, you could, you could play it off MIDI and it, oh, would, okay. it would play a pattern, play a rhythm guitar pattern, a funk guitar pattern. If, if, if you, it plays it for you. It plays it for you. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I used to do, but then I, um, yeah, hearing your stuff and you're actually playing it, and, and also I've seen the videos too of you, of you playing that stuff, and you're brilliant rhythm guitarist, awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, mm, cool. The funk, the funk stuff's interesting because it's just, it's just um, direct in, like it's a di in, and then I manipulate it afterwards. Right. That's that's kind of it. It, it it's very quick and immediate. Yep. You know, so you compress it. You put chorus on it, you know. You widen it a little bit, and then you sort of play your plunky, plunky parts. And yeah, um, yeah. so even that, like, that's about as direct as it gets, literally. Right. Like straight in. <laughs> right. Do you have an idea when you're going into a song? I mean, after you've done your, I guess your, you know, your experimentation of 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 a song, when it's time to um, record, are you pretty much set on the sound that you want for that particular part or? Um, oh, I'm, I'm never set. Never set. Okay. I'm, so it's a moving target okay, every gotcha. time. Yep. So a lot of the times, and especially with this album that's out, like the sound actually dictates what I'm going to play. Okay. So whether it's a guitar sound or whether, like I'll have an idea with guitars and stuff, I'll have an idea, oh, you know, it needs a funky Prince style mm. kind of rhythm thing, right, in the left channel, and then I need something counter that on the right channel. Yep. Um, but I'll go for two completely different sounds. So I might do that direct in sound, and then I might do a a small amplifier 
Telecaster bridge pickup mm. thing mm. and then compress it later. Yeah. And then you get them sitting, you get them both sitting left and right, not hard left and right, just yeah, sort of you. maybe halfway or quarter of a way, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, on each side, you know, and then you kind of have this nice big spatial thing yeah. with them coming at you kind of thing. I, I, I used to do, well, you know, like a almost like a double mono part, like you'd play the same part on the left as you would on the right. Right. But, I mean, I do that for a lot of sessions for people who, you know, want things to sound big and wide, mm. you know, kind of the cheapest way to get that sort of effect going. But I actually find it a bit more interesting to get the sound that you want, play it in. Yeah. You can, I still manipulate it a bit later on, like, you know, EQ or compression or, you know, some something spatial like a, either a modulation or a delay or something like that to kind of keep it, you know, keep it uh, sometimes to help it sit in the mix so it's not so dry, you know. So, yeah, I I do overthink things a lot too. But then at the end of the day when it gets down to it, I just play. Yeah. Just going back to what you just said earlier about um, sometimes the sound will dictate what you play. Yeah, that song, the last song on the album, "Spacing." Yep, that's almost one of those things, right? Because it sounds like you've got this, oh, it's this big, full, ding, 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 almost yeah. a Pink Floydy Correct. sort of yeah. sound, right? And it, you, you just could never get away with playing something fairly fast; it would just get lost, you know. So, was that Ooh. one of those? Was that one of those? Um, one of those times where you maybe sort of pulled that sound and went. I'm only going. Yeah. It's almost just like whole notes, or one note for two bars, or you know, it's it's massive. Yeah, it's it, it's more textures than mm. um, playing, if you will. Yeah. Again, quotation fingers. Um, there's two tracks on this album that are like that. There's one called a DM to DM. Yep. And then there's spacing, which is the last one. Yep. Now, a DM to DM was the first attempt at doing this. So I actually bought a couple of really nice sort of uh, pedals made by Strymon. Uh, one's called a Valente, the other one's called a Night Sky. And the Night Sky gives you that real washy, atmospheric synthy pad kind of sound. And then the Valente is like a tape uh, delay. And you can set the repeats to kind of go on. So like you said, you hit one note and it echoes for, you know, five seconds. So there's not much you can do in that five seconds other than stay out of its way. So it's kind of letting the gear do the talking, mm. but you're still driving it. So the, a DM to DM, that one um, is an improvisation. Okay. So from start to finish, like, and then I added fretless bass and I added like a rhythm afterwards. Mm. But it was a, I was channeling a friend of mine who passed away uh, a few months ago and um, it sounds odd but I was really in a zone where I was really thinking about this guy a lot, you know, and um, what oh, happened. Oh, now, okay, now, because I know who you're talking about and, and now I, I get the name of the song, how yeah, you come up with yeah. the name of that song. Awesome, that's, that's right. cool, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, look, thank you. Yeah, look, it was, uh, yeah, uh, and I was really I was really meditating on him, you know what I mean? I was really just sort of, I had him in my thoughts and I was mm. in my room, I'm in this room, you know, and I had the guitar, I had the pedals, had the, the volume pedal to get rid of any anomalies, you know, you kind of, you can kind of play and then put the, take the volume out of the guitar 
to let the space go. And then I had, you got like looping kind of drone functions and all that sort of stuff. So I just, I literally just improvised that piece start to finish. And then I was almost going to leave it like that, mm. but then I just went, no, nah, I think it deserves to be supported by a little bit of fretless bass, which I did. And then just a simple kind of almost a heartbeat of a rhythm mm. underneath, you know, little sub kick kind of thing. Mm. So, yeah, and then, so that happened. And then I decided I needed a 10th track for the record. And I was trying to come up with something big and I really wanted to get this record out. Like I I, I put all this stuff up on TuneCore, whatever it is that, you know, the, the mediator between you and the streaming platforms. Mm. They asked for a month, you know, so I put it up, you know, sort of mid-December. And it was sort of early December and I needed another track. And so I decided to go for it again. So that last track is spacing. But I used a baritone electric Mm. that's tuned a fourth lower than um, a regular guitar. So it's got a nice in-between bass and guitar kind of sound. Mm. So it worked a treat with those very same pedals that I used on the previous track. So... um, yeah, and you can re- like <laughs> it's funny you could you could really kind of go off into the stratosphere, you know what I mean? You yeah, really, I know. Your mind, your mind can I can do it for like half an hour without stopping and just you know, you know, it, it's that kind of sound, you know, yeah, like yeah. but um but yeah, I, I concise everything down to 4 or 5 minutes, you know, yeah. with most things that I write. That's cool. I don't want, I don't want to ask for your your uh, attention like any more than absolutely, you know. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you bringing out an album that's more than forty minutes long, or yeah, right. or half an hour even, because it's uh, yeah. it's about this is about forty nine minutes long, I think this yeah. album. Yeah. And yeah. um, the reason I say that is, you know, there's some been some mainstream stuff that's come out lately, and and I was really looking forward to the the uh, Silk Sonic album coming out, and fantastic album, you know, um, yep. Anderson. Pack and Bruno Mars. And yeah, great. Awesome it's only twenty nine minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm so yeah. disappointed, you know. It's so I've kind of been, I've kind of been secretly judging people that bring out music now, and anything that's over thirty five minutes, oh, you're winning. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, that's value for money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, can I, can I just hit play on, um, please, on spacing and. Uh, Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, and then let's have a bit of a listen to it. No worries.
So I'm not going to give it all away. People can go <laughs> listen to it. But that's that's the kind of stuff. Now, people listen to that in headphones and it'll just blow you away. And um, okay, and, and going back to what I was saying before about um, how you have to sort of, you know, put it in the category. And, and I mentioned that song, Amberlynn. <laughs> but you said it's got the electronic bit in the middle. But the first thing you hear is this. <laughs> How'd you come up with that one? Where did Amberlynn come from? You know, it's funny. All right, so the title, it came from, I was watching In Lockdown once again. I was Mm. watching um, a lot of uh, Netflix and whatever whatever was on TV, like streaming platforms, Mm. and I got into The Tudors, which is basically King Henry VIII, and he had, you know, however many wives, five or six wives. I can't remember exactly, but one of them, was Anne Bolin, right? And I just kept, because it kept, it rolled off the tongue as Anne Boleyn. Mm. I thought I was saying Amber Lynn, right? And then not realising that later on, like, oh, yeah, no, it's Anne Boleyn, not Anne Berlin. And then I found out, and I swear I found out later on, after I titled it and the whole bit, that Anne Boleyn was, is actually a porn star. <laughs> Amber <laughs> Lynn, right? So, yeah, you can look that one up on. Um, she's an eighties, eighties porn star. So, I don't know. It's still Hang on, give of... me a sec. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> a sec. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah. So, um, all right. So, how I came up with it, I, I had a mate of mine who I was kind of collaborating with. We were doing these one-minute kind of uh, jams and putting little videos together because, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. Yep. And uh, it seemed to be all the rage at the time. I got sick of it pretty quickly doing these uh, ISO jams, they were called. Okay. Um, and I say were called because we don't need to do them anymore. We can all hang out, sort yep. of. Yep. Um, but, yeah, so um, and I, um, my buddy wanted to do another one and I wrote that piece and I sent it to him and I programmed the drums, you know, very quickly and did all that sort of stuff and then sent it off. And all of a sudden I was, he was like, ah, oh, I'm too busy. I, I can't do that. You know, and I'm like, oh, really? You know, like, you know, busy doing what? What are you busy doing? But uh, I think, uh, I, I think he shit himself a little bit because it, it's quite technical. The, he would have, he would have crushed it. Right. This guy would have absolutely killed it. But, um, but yeah, it, so, I kind of went, oh, all right, well, you know what? I've written it now. We're in lockdown. Um, so I actually released it on Bandcamp first yep. without the techno bit that's in the middle. Um, and that evolved a bit later on. I, I, I kind of, I remember I was listening to it and I went, I think it just needs another section to kind of just give everyone a break from the ferocity of, you know, rhythm metal guitars, you know. So, yeah, I put that little bit in the middle, which I think works. I hope it does. I don't know, Steve. You're going to have to tell me if it works. But um, Well, I think, it, I think it works. So, um, listeners, go over, listen, and let yeah. us know if it works. Let us know if it works. <laughs> let us know if it works. Um, we, can, we can always change it. No, we can't. 
well, you know, I could always release another version with yeah, like well, a, re- version, a remix. There's a version without it, without it, so you can always go back to that. Okay. So there's a version on Bandcamp. So Bandcamp was another thing that I discovered during lockdown. I didn't know about it beforehand. Oh right, okay. Actually, it's actually the best for the artist. Absolutely. Bandcamp. Like, if you actually want to support an artist, go and buy their music on Bandcamp because yep. they actually get quite a significant chunk of it. Um, not that it's not why I released this record anyway. Yep. I, I this this I look at this re- record as a bit of a business card for me as well. Not I'm trying to drum up business, but it's kind of like this is what I can do. I can actually I'm not just a guitar player or a bass player or a you know I'm a composer. I can mix your albums. I can you know produce, master, mix, whatever you want. You know what I mean? Mm. Sort of. I've always been interested in that side of the music game, the behind the scenes stuff. Yep. Um, I've always been fascinated by that. You know, it, it's all about gear and twiddling knobs to get sounds mm. and, you know, mucking around with plugins and moving microphones and what have you. So, yeah, bit of bit of a geek in that regard. So I've always been into that sort of stuff. That's probably why I didn't get that good at playing the instrument. I spent a lot of time with sound and, you know, composing as well. So so who, whoever said that you're not good at playing the instrument, you said, <laughs> sounds pretty, pretty bloody good to me. And everyone I've talked to about you also think the same thing. <laughs> so Maybe I could have gotten better. I don't know. He's a little bit, little bit too humble there, my friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> too humble. Let's, um... All right, let's go back to what, because, you know, the the what usually happens in the podcast is it, there's like a, we talk about history and that kind of stuff and then talk about music and, you know, what albums and stuff. But we've done this in complete reverse. Okay. And I think it's kind of cool because yeah. it's got me on my toes, right? You're <laughs> <laughs> out of your comfort zone. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's roll back now. Sure. Because I'm, I'm interested to know. You know, I mean, you did you did briefly talk about your brothers and their sort of musical influence. Yep. I'd like to go a little bit further back, you know, talk about your, um, you know, how music sort of came into your family and how you started playing and then how you got into the production thing. Yeah, sure. And then that'll sort of get us to where we are now. Yeah, no, you're right. We've put the cart before the horse. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, all right, so, yeah come from a musical family mm-hmm. in the sense that my both my brothers uh, are musical. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother Joe's the eldest and yep. he's a guitar player, singer, songwriter. Um, he was a heavy influence in the early days with the actual instrument. Mm-hmm. And so I used to go, and, when I got to about 12, 13 years of age, I used to go and watch him play at pubs and, you know, dreams and aspirations just started there. It's like, oh, I would love to be in a band, you know, I'd love to be in that band even, Mm. you know. So what was funny was probably not even a year or two later, I was in that band because um, they needed a bass player. I'm a guitar player, but they needed a bass player. And I was, and, you know, they had a, in the 90s, it was hard finding, you know, good bass players that could, kind of do it. So they thought, well, why don't we invest a bit of time into little Marcel? And um, so I didn't even own a bass or mm. own a bass rig. We used to hire 
we borrowed borrowed a bass and we used to hire a rig to go and do rehearsals and gigs. And mm. I don't think I got a bass until I was about 16, um, which my brother bought me, which I still have. Um, Fender Precision, you know, classic, you know, classic sound. Mm. Um, so it start, that's how the actual playing side of it started. But when my other brother used to live with us, we always had a music room and that music room had the synths that we were talking about earlier. Um, and it had sequences and it had a four track and we had a sympathy time code thing that you could link the four mm. track to the sequencer. Mm. So I learned how to do all, all that stuff through my brother Dave. Um, and then he moved out and then he took a whole bunch of stuff with him and then I had to sort of come up with my own gear. So then the next thing I got was, um, I mean, he left me some gear. So he left me... Uh, a DAT machine, um, and what would happen is I would record onto the DAT machine and then I would play. We'd have two DAT machines, actually. I'd record off one DAT machine and then I'd play the part live, you know, and then grab the tape, chuck it back into the playing one, then hit record on the next yeah. bit of tape. So, like, multi-tracking, but, yeah, yeah the long way around. Yeah. You know, this is before computers were yeah. kind of... Yeah, I go back, you know. But, yeah, it was before computers started doing that stuff. Then gradually just built the rig. You know, I actually got a couple of uh, TV commercials early on in my in my studio career that I did with exactly that, playing stuff, you know, recording stuff onto the DAT, then playing a part on the DAT and then yeah. making sure it was mixed and, you know, you couldn't go back, you know. It was like um, almost like what the Beatles did. Right. With their four tracks, you know. Nowhere near as good, of course, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, that's how the technology part of it started. So heavily influenced by both of them. And then, my, my, funnily enough, my sister's five years older than me, so we were both MTV generation. Okay. So we loved all our <clears throat> pop music of that time, in excess, Mister Mister. Mm. So all that, all those influences have kind of been floating around my whole life, and um, I think they're more evident in this latest release than maybe the first album I did, mm -hmm. you know, this, so you can hear kind of the synth element and you can hear, you know, programming and, you know, like synth bass, but with like an electric bass doing a bass pluck over the top kind yep. of thing, you know, yep. finding little spots and stuff like that. So I've always been into that kind of music. So yeah, it's come out now. That's you know? cool. Now I, I just want to mention the first time I ever heard of you, right? Right. And, and it was, and it was, it was this song. All right. So the first time I heard that song, and I, I, I to, to be fair, I can't remember exactly where. It might have been something on Facebook. And I went, who are these badasses? This is awesome. So 
course, I, I you know, I I, uh, I I found out who played on the album, and you play you play bass on that, and um, on, on, on half of it. So yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm about to ruin the uh, the illusion here, but oh, um, okay. so that particular track, I mean, I played it live a thousand times, okay, um, and I probably altered it to my own style, but that's actually Jason Hira. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, I thought that was you. So this, I, I've got the wrong guy. I've got the wrong guy here today. To not, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Go, go find Jason. Yeah, um, no, no, no. Jason, funnily enough, and again, I, I keep talking about this new album, sorry, but uh, he's the only other musician on this new album. Okay, right. Is it, yeah, like he, he played drums uh, on one of the tracks called Lebo. Mm-hmm. And, um, but but what people don't know about Jason, apart from his incredible drumming and singing, mm. he's actually a really great bass player. Right. And that bass part is a is a really great example of that. It's just, it's exactly what that track needs, Absolutely. and it's so lyrical. And uh, it was a pleasure to play. That was the that was a fun band to be in, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I got it, to do Glastonbury with that band. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, we got to we got to do quite a number of really cool things mm. um, but uh, yeah so yeah that was actually around the same time that i released my album so i think i released mine first and then electric empire released it a few months later right that that record so we're working on that record and we're working on my record at the same time so jason's always kind of been a a special guest if you will on yeah cool you know, i do we we um we still kind of work on each other's tracks every now and then. He's in Mauritius now. Okay. So, yeah. So, right. yeah. So, but, yeah, sorry, ruined the illusion no, there. No, no, you haven't, you haven't, you haven't really, because I, I think it was more of the first time I'd heard of you, first time you came onto my radar. So that illusion hasn't been shattered. I'm on half the record. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Because yeah. when I, when I found out who played on it, I, I yeah, I just saw your name there. And yep. I think yep. that's when I probably, you know, started looking you up. And then, yeah, sure, you know, videos were popping up and you were playing playing with that red bass. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that the is that the precision bass you were telling me about? No, that's so that, another that's, one, eh? that's another one. Yeah. I got that one in 2009. Right. Is that the Pino bass? Is that a Pino bass? It looks like one. It looks it's, like actually it. a, it's a Mexican-made uh, road-worn. Okay. So it's a series that Fender kind of had. That was probably the first of the road-worn basses. And it's based off a based off a '62 jazz, and it's, it sounds beautiful. I mean, I changed the pickups on that, and I had some wiring done, but I don't think it had even really needed it. It sounded good before I messed around with it. Now, you know, when you're thinking small increments, like five percent increments, mm. you know, um, what I did to that bass probably has improved. Mm the sound of it considerably. But, yeah, it had flat wounds on it for a little while, but this was after Electric Empire. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, I, I got that one, yeah, around around the same time. Yeah, it was the mainstay live. That was a really good bass to use live. Yeah. 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 Cut through nicely stylistically with the music too. Yeah. So, like, after you are playing um – you know, uh, playing bass with your with your brothers. What sort of, how did the sort of the career start to change from there? Yeah. So um, interesting thing. My um, my mother, who um, sadly she passed away a few quite a few years ago now, mm. but um, uh, she 
had an aneurysm rupture in her brain and um, she basically needed 24-hour-a-day care. So my brother sort of put his career on hold and looked after her. So I was kind of left in this, um, okay, well, I can pretty much do whatever I want now. Like I wanted to be in a band Mm. and I always thought that was it for me, like being, especially being in my brother's band, which was like big deal for me. Um, Cause it, you know, it was a rock band. It was originals. We were, we were getting out there. We were slogging it. We were hopping in, you know, the Bedford van and driving up to Swan Hill and doing a show and getting a hundred bucks and coming, you know what I mean? Like all, all, all the, all the horror stories, but like, well, I was loving it. I was just, I was in my element, you know, I was just having um, a ball, you know, playing music. Um, but then, so I actually didn't know if I was any good until I kind of got to year 12 and I did like VCE music and <laughs> it's, I'm going to boast a little bit now. So here, here we go. I got an A plus for my solo. Say, say that again. An A plus. I got an A plus. Get right into the mic. Say that. Oh, sorry. I got an A plus an for. Um, a plus. Okay. Yeah. For, yeah. for um, my solo performance on bass. Okay. So I would have thought that would have got me into any kind of course that I wanted to. I applied for the, um, was it, what are they called? Um, Victorian College of the Arts, VCA. Mm. And I got rejected from there. But what that did essentially was um, get me in touch with um, NMIT at the time, which is now called Melbourne Polytechnic. But back then it was uh, TAFE College. And I sort of joined TAFE about three weeks into the year um, and I was writing my own music and doing all that sort of stuff, but I was, I was on my own at this point. Like um, Joe wasn't doing music and the band had kind of disbanded as a result. You can't sort of have a band without a lead singer, right? right? But um, which is ironic because <clears throat> all my music's instrumental. Hang on one <laughs> second. I'm just going to take a water. All good. Yeah, so I ended up um, I ended up at Melbourne, uh, North, what is it, NMIT, um, doing the TAFE thing for you know uh, a few years. I, I I wasn't good. I wasn't a good student, but I I made friends with the the teachers and the and you know a lot of the students there. And I, to this day, I still see you know quite a few of them, and I still go and visit. Um, and sometimes even do little talks to current students about the path that I took and all that stuff. Mm. And then, yeah, so I did that. I did that course as a bass player. So it was kind of a, a bit of a flip around, you know. So depending on when you met me determines what you think I play as far as an instrument goes. Mm. So if you met me during the Electric Empire era, you would think I was a bass player. If you let, met me at TAFE, you'd think I was a bass player. If you Meet me now, you'll think I'm a guitar player or okay. whatever. Oh, I mean, I had a stint with Vanessa Amorossi for about seven years as well, touring the world with her. Play, as a playing, guitar playing guitar, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, depending on when you met me, it determines, yeah, what instrument you know me for. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I, I studied bass pretty much and I was I was right into it and I was, you know, um. And then everything kind of developed from there because from TAFE I, I kind of moved into, you know, playing as a sideman for a lot of be- different bands mm. over the years and, you know, slogging away in the covers and the 
originals and I'd always try and put my own thing out there as well. Like I, I always had some kind of a, with me it was an instrumental thing because I can't sing, but um, although, you know, I can sing but I choose not to. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, so it just evolved from there, evolved from the TAFE College and, you know, um, you meet your network of friends and colleagues and then so on and so on. You just go through the scene and, you know, eventually meet just about everyone. I mean, there's always new people to meet, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've been very blessed. I've played with a lot of really, really great musicians and artists over the years. Yep. Very lucky. You just you mentioned touring the world with Vanessa Amorossi. Now, <clears throat> what's your take on world touring <laughs> would you rather would you rather be where you are producing records and making your own mu- music or or, mm. or touring the world for me it would the ultimate would be a balance of both mm-hmm. you know like if you could ever kind of work out I, I think that's why always being in a band kind of appealed to me because you kind of yeah you slog it out in the studio then you mm. get a little bit of bit, bit of cabin fever and mm. you want to get out there and see how your material works live in front of an audience, you know. Um, with Vanessa, I mean, I was the side man. So we wrote songs together and I even got a couple of songs on a, an album, you know, of hers. But um, but ultimately I was her, you know, the side man, the yeah. guitar player. Yeah. Um, and with that, you're pretty much at the beck and call of whatever decision she makes and her her management make and all that stuff. So it may not always kind of fall in line with your hopes, dreams and aspirations, but um, I had a lot of fun. Okay. I had a lot of fun touring with that band for that time. Mm. It was, um, we got to do, like, it was, it was strange because I don't know if that kind of touring still around anymore. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it. I know I got friends who are in, bands with established artists yep. <clears throat> but she was breaking ground she was promoting new songs mm. you know she and, you know now we're all you know heritage at our age we're all heritage listed uh, artists you know <laughs> you know <clears throat> all all that but you know it, and it's great because there's an audience there for that stuff you know but um but it it, it sort of becomes cover bandy again you okay. know what i mean yeah Whereas with Vanessa, she did give us a lot of leeway. The band, there was no musical director. We were all our own musical director. People would point to me and go, oh, you're the musical director of Vanessa Amorossi. I go, no, I'm not. Okay, everyone, everyone's taking care of their own shit. Like I, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just playing the guitars, you know. Yeah. Well, it's good to be in a situation. You obviously had other players in that band then that, like you said, knew their shit. Oh yeah, and no, it was a good band, and just knew what had to be done. Oh, we were from, from the we were parts, we were yeah. all brothers. Like we were, we were tight. You know what I mean? Yeah, like okay. we, we, you know, we we were, and also we were doing it for the first time together. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. The first time getting off a, a plane in Switzerland and catching a bus down to was that the same for her as well? Was that the first time she was doing it? Was it? I think first time with a band. Yeah, with she band, was. Right. She'd already right. been slogging it out, sort of going up there doing the solo thing, right. singing to a backing track, you know what I mean? But okay. she's so much more, and she was so much more back then than that. Like she was a real musician. Yeah. She was a singer's singer. Like she oh, wasn't, yeah. Yeah. she was, 
she is. I'll say is. I mean, mm. I haven't seen her in many years, but mm. but um, but I remember standing next to that every night, just being blown away, just mm. going, "Wow, she's hit that note again!" Like with feeling, right. like right. not, no, like no backing, tri- no trickery, no none of that stuff. It was all honest, you know, holding the microphone and singing your guts out, you know, and and as a band we really believed in her so we were right behind her it was a it was a force to be reckoned with it was really good energy and as you know over the years management's come along and they think they know better and they think oh you know why don't we do this and do that and then they kind of try and break up the the mm. energy, like the beautiful energy that we had you know mm. and i i just kind of got a bit sick of that stuff you know like i it wasn't for me anymore and that's when i kind of got into doing my own music and that's when the first album came out okay you know, not long after that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, it's yeah. All, yeah, for sure. You know. So mm. you would go off and do that type of touring but but sort of only for yourself if it was your music, if you could. I, I would love to. And yeah. I, I really want to work towards that. It's kind of funny, like, you know, over the years you go and uh, you might speak to a professional counsellor about maybe some issues that you might have in your life. And then they kind of ask you that question. They sort of say, well, what, if you could do anything, what would you be doing right now? Yep. And it's like, I would be writing my own music and touring it. Mm. Why aren't you doing that? Because it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's hard to do that. Like, I don't know if anyone likes what I do. You know, I don't, is there a market for it? And then the, all the subordination, the doubts, you know, come right. creeping in. You start thinking, you know, oh, well, you know, it's, it, it might be easier to just hide behind the fact that I'm not good enough. Well, that's bullshit. That's that's bullshit because yeah, right. Because <laughs> you know, know I, yeah, 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 you, you know it too. And and um, um, I personally, I think you're world class. The people that I've talked to, and I've t- I've talked to Phil a fair bit about you too, because um, we were supposed to do this. Uh, it actually actually the the day. The day your friend passed away, we were supposed to do this, and you yes. sent me a message, and right. yeah, yeah. And leading up to that, I'd talked to Phil, and we'd been talking about, yeah. And, and he was sharing his thoughts on on you, and we were kind of, you know, bouncing stuff, and um, yeah, he's you biased. just sorry, <laughs> what's that? He's biased. he's biased. He's my mate. He has to say nice things about. Yeah, me. I paid him too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I think the. You know why? Why? Why aren't you out there more in front of the world? You know why haven't you? I mean, because you're world class, man. You, you're, you, you know, you're um, you're up with, up there with the best. I, I, I think. So oh, I you got to do, yeah, try and do what you can. And I think with this record, I'm, I'm. It's, it's almost like I'm relaunching myself to, you know, have a, another little crack at sort yeah, great. of. Getting out there, and you know, I I just I'd like to get out there and play shows and all that sort of stuff. Now I've made a completely ridiculous record to try and replicate, <laughs> but um, you know, th- there are other ways around it there as is, well. Yep. With the electronica side of it, yep. You know, I can actually like, yeah. My fiance is a DJ, and okay. we've been talking about actually maybe doing a show together. Yep. You know where I might do a remix of some of the stuff that's on this record and extend it, extend it a little bit longer, you know what I mean? Like kind yep. of have it at a club, you know, yeah. which is, which is a far cry from what I've 
always done. You know, I've always been a muso's muso kind of thing. Gotcha. Now I'm sort of uh, branching out into other stuff that I really like. It doesn't all have to be super complicated. No, you know? right. You're right. Yeah. Like it, it, the feeling, it's funny, mo- the more popular tunes that I get told that people dig of mine are usually the ballads. You know, or the atmospheric stuff or the, yep. you know, like it's not necessarily the tech crazy kind of choppy kind of things, you know. So, but I, I do them for me. <laughs> you do them for you, yeah. 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 I um, do them all. They're all, they're, I don't really think of other people while I'm doing it. I just kind of go head, head first in, do it and see, you know, see what comes of it. And then if I can kind of make myself happy. You know, if I write the music that I want to listen to, then I'm. I think I'll be okay. You know, I think. Um, yeah. My own personal barometer. You know. Yeah. I yeah. I like. I like that idea too. You're saying your your fiance is um, doing the sort of the imagery and the little yeah. videos and. Yeah. Um. And I think I kind of I think I cut you off there when you were talking about that because I said, "Well, yeah, I've been listening to it on my head. You either listen to it in your headphones, yeah. and you sit back and immerse yourself, or you can watch it. But you can't just you can't just watch something like that. There's, there has to be an audio element to it, you know. That's right, exactly. And, um, and sometimes even with the visuals, they're not. Again, it's not super complicated, but it's it's it invokes the emotion of whatever that piece is. So she's she's really good at it. She's not like she's sort of learning as she goes as well, but she's got a really good ear and she's got a really good eye. You know, she, yeah. she works in design and stuff like that. So yeah. that's, yeah. that's her gig, you know, and I'm, I kind of like, I'm like the dag, you know what I mean? I'm sort of, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh, it does, why, why does it have to, everything have to be, you know, look amazing. You know, why can't it look cheap and shitty? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's me. No, that's no, but, um, no, but she, she, she's great because she actually kind of really sort of reins it in for me and goes, all right, I think we should do this, do this. And, that. and she's never wrong. That's the weird thing. That's the bit that kind of shits me. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Yes. I understand. Yeah, and, yeah. and she's right. She just, but even like, um, even things as simple as the front cover, you know what I mean? Like. She's she did all the graphic design. So my sister did the artwork. Okay. So that, that actual heart yep. image that you see, my sister Susie did that. And she sent that particular piece of artwork off to the Brooklyn Museum. So that's at the Brooklyn Museum right now. Really? Wow. So we'll never we'll never see that original piece again unless we go there and find it. Right. Um but we got a we got a high res digital kind of snapshot of it. Yeah. And um and yeah, um my fiance did the the graphic design, yeah, and um, you know it's stuff that I just don't know jack shit about. You know, I know about the music, and that's about it. You know, I can talk for days about production, yeah, and uh, you know pedals and all all geeky nerdy music stuff. You know, that's that's my field. But um, yeah. but yeah, graphic design and not like moving it an inch to the left. Oh, that's much better. No, well. Is it? All right, cool. Looked all right you, to me. <laughs> yeah, if you say it is, then that's fine. You know, let's, let's, yeah. But that's, I guess that's the uh, purpose of um, collaboration, I guess. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, because I've, I've um, only recently been thinking about that 
kind of thing for my podcast as well. Like, you know, I've tried to do little sort of, you know, one minute snapshot audio type social media video things. But for me, it's just so, it's so tedious. And yeah. at the end, I don't think it looks good, you know, where it sure. would be cool if I could sort of get someone in, you know, that's actually, I might, I might send a message out to people and see if I can get someone to do that. that that'd be cool. But yeah, it would just sort of take it to another level. It's same, yeah. same thing with your music, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like we're, we're it's, it's kind of, it's funny because, um, uh, Romina, my fiance, mm. she's she's got like today she texted me and said something like, Hey, what if we um sent your music to the Grammys, for example? Right. And I'm kind of like, f- my first reaction's always, nah, no one's gonna. And then <laughs> she's got me, she's got me thinking, well, everyone had to start somewhere, right? Like you if I send it to I don't know what you would send it as, but like, you know, maybe the album, I don't know. Yeah. Um You'd send it to them, and you might get rejected the first time. But just keep sending stuff. You know what I mean? Like until you get through, right? That's what everyone. That's what they used to do, right? It's pretty much what everyone does. And I and I'm, yeah. I think I she's helped me get over the potential rejection. Like I don't even care if it gets rejected by people. Yeah, and I think that's actually a healthy place to be for sure. You actually, don't care if if people dig it or not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's good. And then, you know. I've been very lucky, actually. It's been it's been really nice. This the, like it got released um, a, a week ago, yep. like last Sunday. Yep. And you know, I've got a lot of you know family and friends and colleagues and you know uh, in the industry and all that. Stuff. And everyone's kind of been really, really getting behind this one. It's kind of feels really nice. <laughs> oh, good on you! You deserve it. It's really it, it is really good. It really is. Well, even being here with you, you know, yeah. like I know we, we talked about doing this last year, but I think it's so much better that we're here now because I actually have something to talk about. Last year I would have been talking about, you know, what TV shows I was watching, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, well, yeah, we would have been talking about, so you're still in lockdown, hey? You're still in lockdown, hey, hey in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah you right got on. the record, haven't you? You got yeah. a record, you know. And I, I'd, I'd be saying, because I'm, I'm in Sydney, Oh, we got a, we got a record too. We got the most cases now. Like yeah. it'd be that, hey. <laughs> Very depressing podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, man. So, non-essential arteries. So, where can people get that? Yeah, right. Well, it's on all the. Um, when I say all, it's on most of yep. the the sort of popular streaming platforms um, like um, Spotify, Apple Music. You can buy it on iTunes. You can also buy it on um, Bandcamp. And I was talking about Bandcamp earlier. That that one actually, most of that sort of, if you're wanting to support an artist, check out their Bandcamp and, mm. and you know, purchase it from there. You can preview from everything. If you've got a, you know, a, a, what should we call it? A, subscription to Spotify or, mm. or, yeah, it's all readily available on that. You can even, actually, you can even go to YouTube if you mm. really want to check it out. So it, I've made it as readily available as I possibly can yep. for for most people to check out. So, yeah, you can just type in my name into any of those. Yeah, I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, beautiful. Yep, yeah, cool. That'd be great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, man. Thanks. 
Maybe Marcel, it's been awesome talking to you, man. I'm glad we finally got to do this. And um, Thanks, Steve. Thank um, you. Like I said, I really enjoy the new album as much as I enjoyed the last album. Um, I wish that. you um, all the best with it. And, yeah, man, do your best to to get it out there in the world and, and um, yeah. Well, hopefully I've won some people over today. You know? <laughs> yeah. well, well, we'll see with the politics thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to edit that bit out. <laughs> well, that's my fault. Okay, so you know, still go get the album. That was all my fault. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's great. No, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. It's nah, sweet. Great to finally talk to you. Yeah, man. Cool. Cheers, all right, brother. Marcel. Take it easy, bro. Thank all you right. so much. See you, man. Bye.